Good morning and welcome to New Life Church. Turn with me to Mark chapter 8, if you will. Mark chapter 8. It's old friend Sunday for us. Well, he has Ron here. Back here we have a young man. Looks like he's just stepped out of a blues band. Uh, Patrick Lupian. Pat was here, oh, geez, longer than any of us want to admit, right? Pat was a student here when we uh, had the academy. And uh, yeah, it's been a week or two, that's for sure. So welcome, Pat. He walked, the first thing he did, he walked in, he says, wow, a lot of changes. <laughs> yeah, it looks a little different, looks a little different. Mark chapter eight, we're, uh, we're talking about uh, the topic of what did Jesus do? What did he do in his life that we can model ourselves after as followers of Christ so that we can be effective in our lives uh, serving him? And we've been talking about the different areas of life that he, uh, he, he participated in. And we're talking about how Jesus managed his actions and looking at the idea of Jesus managing his actions rigorously. Jesus paid close attention to what he did and how he did it and, and who, who he was around when he did these things. And I've, I've put up there, uh, Jesus managed his actions rigorously because you can't manage the actions of others. And we live in a day and age when everybody wants to manage your actions and attitude, right? Political correctness, uh, everybody wants to make sure that, that you are on, on board and if you don't agree or if you're not in line with what is being said and what the, the popular group thinks, and, uh, then they're, they're just gonna eviscerate you on social media, uh, it's just going to, and, you know, put a, post, post an unpopular opinion. How many of you have ever posted an unpopular opinion on social media and taken it down because of the abuse? <laughs> Seriously. And I don't mean, um, I don't, I don't mean, um, you know, abuse, you know, I, I, because everybody just jumped all over you for it. I've done it a few times. And uh, it's like, I'm, I'm sorry. I thought I, w- I thought I was allowed to have my own opinion. You know, but apparently not. Jesus, uh, even Jesus, the creator of all things, the Lord of all the universe, when he created us, chose to give us free will, thereby abdicating his ability to control our actions. Do you realize that? Jesus does not control your actions. That's why when people come to me and say, how can, how can God allow this, this suffering? How can God allow? God doesn't control your choices. You control your choices. You choose to do the things you do. So when you find yourself in a situation in life that is difficult or tough or, or of, your, uh, of your own making, don't blame God. It's your choice. Jesus himself understood that he couldn't control the actions of others. He couldn't even control the choices of people that he talked to one-on-one to choose him. But he knew that he could control his own actions, and he did so rigorously. We've been talking about that. Following Jesus is a choice. It's a choice to turn from a life that follows our own pursuits and desires, to follow the path laid out for us in the Bible and played out every day in a life of faith by taking advantage of opportunities to show Jesus. I believe that a life of following Jesus is a blue-collar life. 
working hard every day, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> to show Jesus to a world in need. I know school has just started. My kids are going back to school because I have a cold, <laughs> right? Got a cold first week after the boys go to school. <clears throat> when things are healthy in the church, then we can be effective outside of the church. Last week, we talked about actions that Jesus took within his ministry team, what we would equate to our church, and actions Jesus took within his ministry team to effectively minister to, reach, and grow people. This week, we're going to be looking at some actions in the community that Jesus took outside of that group to reach people. As Jesus moved around the country, he encountered people. He encountered situations. He encountered needs everywhere he went. And he responded to them in intentional ways. Intentional ways that changed lives. Intentional ways that set the stage. It may not have changed somebody's life at that point. But what Jesus did set the stage for a later date when that individual may be ready to make the choice. Everything that Jesus did was intentional and purposeful. Everything he did had the kingdom of God in view. The response and outcome may not have been a life changed for the kingdom, but his actions were always focused on the mission of the kingdom. Remember that. Because there are times, especially in our day and age, where you're going to give all you have. I remember as we started our bridge events, and, and Zach uh, you can, Zach can remember this and attest to this. When we started our bridge events, that's what we call our Easter egg hunt and trunk or treat and the car show and the different things we do for the community. They're bridge events, building a bridge between us and the community so that they'll get to know us because they don't really, a lot of them don't really understand what goes on inside these walls. When we started that for the first, what was it, Zach, maybe five or six years, there was we got no response. We had people come to the events, but nobody came to church because of that. And I would be asked by pastor friends, well, then why do you do it? I said, because it's creating relationships within our community. And someday we know that it's going to pay off. And it has. In the last two or three years, we've seen over a dozen families that were out of church find new life and become part of our ministry. And we've seen people come to know Christ we, this past year, we had people, uh, I mean, last year we had people at our Easter egg hunt come to church on Sunday, on Easter Sunday, and accept Christ as their Savior. That's what it's all about. The things we do intentionally for the kingdom of God, even though they may not, may not uh, result in a changed life at that point, we're planting seeds. And that's one of the things that Jesus calls us. He calls us planters or sowers, planting seeds. One plants, one waters, and God gives the increase. Everything Jesus did was intentional and purposeful with a kingdom in view. And that's something we need to understand and learn. Now, last week, we saw some actions that Jesus took within his relations to be, relationships to be successful. Reviewing those quickly, we saw that Jesus committed to serving responsibly. Within the church, within his group, he committed to serving responsibly. Secondly, he participated in his faith community respectfully. How we deal with each other with inside, inside these walls the respect we show and the respect we give and the respect we model. How many of you know that kids today aren't really the most respectful generation? Children today. They're, they're taught not to be. Seriously. And I'm, I'm not joking. I, I mean it. Kids are taught you, have a, you, you get to share your voice. 
And I'm, you know, I'm not, an ab I'm not an advocate of children to be seen and not heard, but I'm also not an advocate of a seven-year-old telling me what to do and where to go. <laughs> My uh, eight-year-old sons try that occasionally. And that's when angry dad, prison face John, <laughs> seriously, the guy that looks like he was just paroled, that could now play for the Patriots. Um, <laughs> that, <laughs> baby. Um, that's when, <laughs> that's, uh, that's when, that's when, that's when that guy comes out and I look at my boy, I get my boys square in the face and I get down to their level, which is getting easier and easier because they're getting taller and taller. <laughs> I get down to their level and look them dead in the eye and say, don't you ever talk to me or your mother that way again. And I'll tell you what, when they get to be six foot five, I will climb up on a ladder <laughs> and get in their face and say, don't you ever talk to your mother or me like that again. We model respect within these walls. We model respect for the way we treat others and, the way, and we model respect for our children because we want our children to grow up because you reach people with the gospel by respecting them as human beings, by respecting them as people, by respecting them as someone who has something to say and someone who has, has lived a life and has experiences. And they bring all that here to you. And you reach them by showing respect. And then we talked about how Jesus practiced, color, practiced colorblindness when it came to others, true colorblindness when it came to others. This week... I want to take some time to look at the actions he took outside of the church to show people his faith and his heart, not within the church, but what he did outside of the church to show people his faith and his heart. Mark chapter eight, beginning at the verse 34 is the, the launching pad for what I said earlier. Verse 34 says, calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me in the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in glory, in the glory of the Father with the holy angels." Jesus managed his actions rigorously. As we look at that, I think I gave you, the, I gave you my outline. Yes, thank you very much. Aaron always wants a printed copy. And uh, I gave her the wrong one. Jesus' actions as he ministered outside. Jesus' actions were based on his principles. As a, as a human being, as God on foot, Jesus had morality. He had principles, and he modeled that for us. And as he, as he interacted with people, and the actions he intentionally and purposefully took were based on the principles of his life and his belief and his, his belief system and his faith. When we interact with people outside, when we represent Jesus to this world, how do we go about letting our principles control our actions? It's, we, can, we can sing these songs, and beautiful, beautiful songs. 
dig into our hearts and you see the response of people. hundred people worshiping together, raising hands, lifting praise to God. And we can sing, Lord, give me faith. My, my, my faith is weak, but your spirit's strong in me. We can sing all these things in here. But what do we live out there? What, does our, what is our life song? As the, 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 the song goes, what is our life song out there? And what is the, the us that we present to the world out there? What is it based on? What are the principles that we live? Are we living the principles that we claim to have as a belief system from the word of God? The first thing I see that Jesus did when he dealt with those outside the church was this. Jesus acted immediately. See a need, meet a need. See a need, meet a need. Jesus acted immediately. He got involved. Amy Carmichael, a a missionary from a century ago, said Satan is so much more in earnest than we are. He buys up the opportunity while we are wondering how much it will cost. Man, that's deep. Satan just takes the opportunity to do his work. And we sit down and we say, well, you know, I got something else going on. I got this going on. I got that going on. I, I, you know, our friend Ron is here, and I'll just springboard onto this. And I've shared this with Ron. Uh, Ron is the only guy, by the way. We, we became friends that first day that he, he uh, got here. Ron loves baseball, and uh, I love baseball. And Ron was in the Army. And Ron did the exact same thing in the army that I did. And I've never in my life met anybody else that did it. And neither he. We both copied Morse code. You guys know what Morse code is, right? <laughs> Those of you under 30 know what Morse code is? Dit, dits and dots. Did it out it, dotted out it. Yeah, okay. Wow. <clears throat> but I've, I've talked with Ron over the years. And... So, you know, Ron, because he's always checking up with the boys and he's always really good to our sons. And, and he was there at the, at the adoption. And uh, we've, our families have become friends. And I said, you know, Ron, so many guys have come to me and say, I could never do what you did. What, what, what you did. Guys my age, I could never do what you did. And it's because they, they've counted the wrong cost. See if you follow me here. What, you're, what, what people are saying is, and, I'm, and not everybody's cut out for foster care, really. Not every, and and I, I get that completely. What you're saying is that I don't want to give up what I have to give a child a home. And I'm not, please, I'm not, I'm not trying to beat anybody up with this. Don't get me wrong. But we say that a lot with a lot of things in our life. I don't want to give up what I have in my life to sacrifice to get involved in ministry in the church, to give up what I have to get involved in working in the children's ministry or or to be involved in something at church. When what we should be doing is, is following the model of Jesus, Jesus saw a need and he met a need. See a need, meet a need. Satan takes every opportunity. We sit down and wonder whether it'll be worth our time. Satan takes every opportunity to draw people away from Jesus. We wonder whether we have enough time to sit down and have a cup of coffee with somebody who's hurting and in distress. See a need, meet a need. 
Acts 10, verse 38. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good. How cool is that? The ministry of Jesus Christ in the book of Acts is described as going around doing good. Doing good. Then it goes on and says, he didn't just do good, he healed people. Doing good and healing people. Building the kingdom of God. Reaching people. It didn't matter whether people responded responded to him in a positive way or not. Did you know that while Jesus was going about ministering and reaching people and doing good deeds and healing people, giving sight to people who had never seen anything before and they were adults, healing withered hands, giving, giving strength to legs, that had never walked before, bringing people back to life. As Jesus went around doing these things, he had this crowd of dudes that were over on the side, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, criticizing everything he did. Sound like your life sometimes? Every time you try to do something, somebody is trying to beat you down for your service and your ministry. Somebody is trying to criticize you for getting involved. Somebody is trying to criticize the way you do it. It didn't stop Jesus. See a need, meet a need. He took action immediately. It says he went about doing good and healing all who were under. And now I use the CSB. This next phrase is powerful. But about doing good and healing all who are under the tyranny of the devil. Wow. Remember what Jesus said the first time he stood up in the, in the synagogue? He read the passage from Isaiah. I have come to, pro- to proclaim release to the captives. I've come to set people free. I'm going about doing good. Listen, folks, there are going to be those who criticize you for your ministry. There are going to be family members who say to you, what in the world are you giving so much to your church? Why are you spending so much time at your church? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Don't you want to have a life? Blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. Don't let them get you down. Don't let the criticism take you away. Don't fall. Don't don't give into the hype. There are people under the tyranny of Satan that need to be freed. There are captives that need to be let out of their captivity. And you hold the key by sharing Jesus Christ and his love with them. Jesus simply went around doing good deeds, and while he did good, he took the opportunity to share his faith with those who needed to hear his message. Man, just go around doing good deeds. Go around helping people Uh, in the grocery store, go around saying hi to people, being nice to others. Go around treating them with respect, conducting yourself with character and integrity, having those conversations. And when you have the opportunity, you share your faith. You take that opportunity to shine your light and share your faith. James chapter 2, beginning at verse 14 says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is, is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. 
me share this with you. There is no magic spell for doing ministry. There is no specific definition of doing ministry. We are a very different church the way we go about doing things in this church. Those of you who have come in from other parts of the country, you, you've recognized that, I'm sure. Maybe those of you who have gone to different churches in the past, you've recognized that. This is, how, this is our philosophy. This is how we choose to do things. There is no definition and no magic spell for doing ministry. It simply involves taking the, taking the advantages of every open door that you face in your life for the purpose of building the kingdom of God. When I was a college minister out in Missouri years ago, tried to get my college students to understand this simple phrase, life is ministry and ministry is life. Everything you do, when you start seeing everything you do in your life, man, listen, we're in the season, for those of us who are parents and have kids in school, we're in the season of open houses, mm. right? The way you treat your, child, your child's teachers, the way you treat your child's um, paraprofessional and principal, the way you show your faith through your actions and your words speaks volumes and is a form of ministry. The way you treat your coworkers, the way you treat people in public, the way you come to church and prepare yourself, all of this is ministry. Because when you understand the concept that your life is all about ministry and ministry is all about your life and it's all woven together in one tapestry that is beautiful for the kingdom of God, then you'll understand what Jesus wants you to do. And then you'll understand why Jesus ministered at every opportunity, seeing needs and meeting needs. <laughs> the second thing that Jesus did, Jesus spoke life to anyone who would hear him. Jesus spoke life to anyone who would hear him. I love that, and I stole this directly from Toby Mac, right? That song, Speak Life, the video, Speak Life, we've played it here a couple times. It is powerful, powerful. Because folks, let me tell you, words matter. Words matter. Remember when you were a kid uh, of certain generation, your parents would say, uh, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you? Mama lied. <laughs> Right? Words hurt, man. Words hurt. Words cut deep. Listen, I, a, a black eye will heal. But the cutting words of people to someone who doesn't have a strong self-respect or doesn't have a strong faith or doesn't understand that maybe somebody is lashing out because of the insecurities within themselves and you don't have a degree in psychology and you don't understand the workings, you don't understand how people project onto others their feelings, all you know is what they just said to you really, really hurt. That lasts for a long, long time. Some of you here know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you had a mother or a father who told you you were a loser, told you you were stupid, told you you were ugly, you were no good, you had a spouse, that verbally abused you and mentally abused you and tortured you through the things they said and those things you've held on to and they've, they've stuck with you for so long that you've believed them and it's become part of your identity. 
Jesus never did that, by the way. Jesus never abused somebody with his words. Jesus never degraded anyone with his words. Jesus spoke life to everyone and anyone who would listen to him. He spoke life. Why and why should we speak life? Because all humans are part of a fallen creation. We need to understand that. All human beings are part of a fallen creation. Everyone is broken in some way. So that means everyone needs healing in some way. We're all broken in some way, shape, or form. And we all need healing in some way, shape, or form. And who knows if you might not be that person who provides those healing words that gets someone on the path to health, spiritual health. And helps them overcome those, uh, those demons in their lives that haunt them every moment of every day. The sooner we realize and accept the fact that everyone needs help in some way, the sooner we will get busy healing and building other people. I mean, we're called to be builders. We're not called to be destroyers. Listen, if you want to, if you want to put an addition onto your house, if you want to help putting together a brand new restaurant, you want somebody to destroy something, give me a call, okay? I will come and cause destruction. You give me a sledgehammer and I will swing it and I will destroy anything. But if you want something built, don't give me a call because it's not going to happen. You want a, a roof? You call Josh. Josh will put a roof on you. You want your roof to leak? Give me a call, okay? I'm just, just being honest. You want something destroyed? Call me. You want something built? Call somebody else. Those are my human abilities or inabilities. Spiritually, that should not be true of me. Spiritually, I need to be a builder. We all need to be builders. Even to those, especially to those outside of Christ. Because as we represent Jesus to them, we are putting one more brick in the, in the building, in the foundation of them coming to know Jesus as their Savior. And the better we treat people and the more life we speak into people, the more we share the love of Jesus on a daily basis over and over and over again, the more it's going to get into them and seep into their soul and seep into their spirit to where they finally say, you know what? There's something about what they're saying to me. It really, really, really sounds good. I need what they have to say. My friend has been telling me that my answers are in Jesus and maybe, just maybe, because, man, I've seen what they've had to go through. I've seen the way life has just, just riddled them with opposition, and they're still standing. And they're still in church, and they're still proclaiming the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ, and I can't even get out of bed without tripping over my shoes. Maybe, just maybe, I should try what they have. Why? Because you have spoken life into them over and over and over again. Speaking life means to speak healing words and encouragement to those beaten down by life because Jesus spoke the words and raised Lazarus from the dead. Speaking life means to speak truth with compassion to those in need of a change because Jesus spoke peace to the madman of Gadara and restored his right mind. 
Speaking life means to speak value and worth to the one who feels worthless. Because Jesus spoke healing to the ten lepers who weren't allowed to be part of society and healed them so that they could go on with a healthy, prosperous, productive life for the kingdom of God. Speaking life means speaking friendship to the misfits and the outcasts because Jesus called Matthew the tax collector to come follow him and join his ministry team. Speaking life means speaking peace to the troubled soul because Jesus spoke peace to the hearts of the disciples by speaking peace over the waves and calming their fears. Speaking life means speaking God's way and direction to those who have been blinded by life because Jesus healed the sight of the blind. You know that we never have an instance of Jesus walking away from a funeral without doing something special. We never have an instance of Jesus reaching out to a blind individual and leaving them blind. He always, always did something remarkable. He always spoke life and made a difference. And what a model for us. What a model for us as, as believers, as followers of Jesus, that we reach out to people in our lives every day of our lives with the, with, with the desire deep inside to make a difference for the kingdom of God in their lives. James 3.15 says, The prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up. If he has considered, uh, committed sins, he will be forgiven. Psalm 34.18 says, The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. Got a crushed spirit? Turn to Jesus. Got friends whose spirits have been crushed and worn down? Got a friend who's going through a brutal, bitter split or divorce? Who, who just can't seem to get their children under control and are battling with their kids who seem to be walking away? Speak life to them, man. Sit down and have a cup of coffee and speak life to them. Psalm 6, verse 2, Be gracious to me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are shaking. Folks, don't just speak life to others. Speak life to yourself. Because no matter how you feel about yourself, you are someone for whom Jesus would have gone to the ends of the universe to redeem. He gave his life for you. Not so that you could be a number on a church roll. He gave his life for you so that you would spend eternity with him because he loves you. That's why. So no matter what anybody has told you, no matter the destructive words they have used to describe you, speak life to yourself and get that life from God's word and allow it to speak healing to your soul as well. And once you get yourself healthy with the life words from the word of God, you will be much more better suited and fitted to go out and speak life to others. The next thing, and we'll get through these last two very quickly, Jesus practiced lifestyle evangelism. Now, when I was, in, when I was growing up in church, lifestyle evangelism was something in the in this kind of churches I came from that was not good. It was not good because we went out and we handed out tracts. We knocked on doors. We street preached. We stood on the corners. And uh, anybody ever been part of that stuff? Yep, buddy boy. That was, uh, that was yeah. 
I remember that my first minute, my first youth, first youth ministry out in Kansas on Saturdays. We bus visiting, and then in the afternoons, we went out and uh, knocked doors with my teenagers all afternoon. I, and and lifestyle evangelism was was uh, spoke down upon because lifestyle evangelism was simply the idea that I'll live my life as a Christian so that other people will see me. And we had it kind of, had it kind of backwards because if we reached people through knocking on doors or handing out tracts, then we got them in the church and then we tried to change them into our own image so that they could, they could look like a Christian and act like a Christian and talk like a Christian and walk like a Christian. But what we really should be doing is doing what Jesus did. Jesus practiced lifestyle evangelism. He lived his faith every day. He lived his faith every day. Lifestyle evangelism, evangelism, why can't I say that word? Is living in such a way that encourages questions about your faith. How in the world do you face that stuff? How do you deal with that? How do you take that at work and not lose your temper? How do you, and this is something that would be pointed at me, how do you drive in traffic and not try to run other people off the road because of the way they drive? Man. You live your life in such a way that it encourages questions about your faith. Preparing yourself in such a way that you have answers to those questions. Biggest cop out for a Christian is, well, go talk to my pastor. <laughs> Oh, we need to have answers. Living in such a way that there is proof of what you believe. Sharing in such a way that you turn conversations into conversions. That is lifestyle evangelism. Living your faith every day so that people see the difference that Jesus can make. Not the goody two-shoes that you are. Not your special morality. But that Jesus sees the difference or people see the difference that Jesus can make in a life. For some of you, man, if we did cardboard testimonies at this church, your testimony would be amazing, right? On one side, it says what you were before Christ. And on the other side, it says who you are now in Christ. The transformation from where your life was to where your life is has been remarkable. We need to live our lives in such a way that people see that. And it provokes questions. And we have conversations. And through the course of time, as the Holy Spirit works within their hearts, he draws them to Jesus. And as we lift Jesus up, he draws people to himself. And those people may make a decision for Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Titus 2.8, your message is to be beyond reproach so that any opponent will be ashamed because he has, doesn't have anything bad to say about you. Lifestyle evangelism, man, living your life in such a way that people see the principles of Jesus Christ, the principles of his word played out in your life every day. Some of you, man, you deal with situations on a daily basis that are just, just bad. <laughs> people talk to you 
in a mean way. I don't want to sound too childish here. They, they're meanies, right? They're meanies. They're nasty people. Some of you deal with bullies on a daily basis. Some of you, everybody unloads on you. How do you respond back? How do you live your life every day shining Jesus Christ? How do you take those opportunities? Do you go to the the disgruntled and try to share Jesus and help them become less gruntled, less disgruntled? (laughs) Lifestyle evangelism. And lastly, a biggie, man. This is a biggie. Jesus forgave repeatedly. You had me up until this point, Pastor John. (laughs) Throw the whole thing out the window. Jesus forgave repeatedly. I don't know about you, but that's tough. I don't know about you, man, but this point, that's tough. And I'm not being irreverent. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm saying this from my heart. If a group of guys came to me and wanted to beat me with a whip and put a bunch of thorns in my skull and wanted to take me to a wooden cross and pound nails in my hands and feet, I'd be fighting them every step of the way. You'd have to knock me out. Jesus didn't. Man, he didn't. How in the world can he hang on the cross after being brutally abused physically, mentally, emotionally, and verbally? And look at that crowd of people and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Man. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Because you've, in your life, You have been abused, mistreated, beaten up. Things that go beyond forgiveness, right? Want to know what's beyond forgiveness? Let's, Let's take a poll. I'm sure we've got a lot of people here that could make their claim as to what is beyond forgiveness. Humanly speaking. But when it comes to Jesus and his model and his principles, and when it comes to us living our lives every day in such a way that we show Jesus to a world in need, we've got to be willing to forgive. Now, I, I am of the, and we've talked about this on our, in our Wednesday night Bible study quite a bit about forgiveness and how I feel like people, um, you know, I, I see it when, when mass shootings happen or or when uh, drunk drivers wipe out a, 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 a kids and stuff. People are like, oh, we forgive them. I don't think you really understand what you're doing. Because I've dealt with people that a year after have said to me in, in private, and it's happened many, many times, I'm struggling with forgiveness. And it's the guilt of saying I forgave them back then and now dealing with the, the demons of having those feelings in your, because forgiveness is something you need to work yourself up to because you've got to really understand what you're saying. What you're saying is I am letting go of the anger and the animosity and I'm going to allow healing to take place in my heart and in my life. And right after the incident, you're not ready for that. Listen, 
Many of us have been through brutal times in our lives where people have really, uh, some, of, some of you, you know, I, 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 know, I know the day's coming where we're going to have to sit down with our boys. And they're going to say to us, uh, talk, uh, talk about their, their biologicals and say, why didn't they want us? Right, Ron? Ron deals with, with this on a daily basis. And he has, to have an- he has to have answers for people. How do you deal with that? How do I tell my boys, guys, listen, I, I don't know what it is you're feeling. I don't know what that, what that makes you feel like or how that affects your self-worth. I don't know how it makes you feel that people thought it was okay to abuse you and mistreat you. And, and those of you out there, I don't have answers for you as to why people did what they did, but I know this. Jesus can heal your heart and can bring you to the place where you may not understand and you may not have answers, but you sure can have freedom through forgiving that person. And that's what Aaron and I are going to try to do with our sons. I can't answer the question. Only those people can. But what I can do is tell my boys, guys, You can choose to be bound by that anger and that confusion, or you can choose to be freed by the love of Jesus Christ and grant forgiveness. But it's your choice. And it's my responsibility as a father, and it's Aaron's responsibility as a mother, to live every day the love of Jesus by being forgiving people. And modeling that for our sons. So the way, when they get to that place where they're going to have to apply that to one of the most painful, brutal experiences a child can go through, they're going to be able to do that. That's my prayer. That's what you need to do in your life. You need to forgive repeatedly. Some of you, on a daily basis. And, and forgiveness, I believe, is, is progressive The healing of forgiveness is progressive. It is not simply the act of saying, I forgive you. It is the act of allowing that pain and the core and the the roots of that pain to be dug out from deep inside. Listen, I, I know that in my own life, as I deal with issues of whatever needs to be forgiven, as one layer comes off, another layer comes up, right? Yeah, have you ever planted, Josh uh, is a, a, a farmer of sorts, right? You ever had something grow in your garden that you didn't plant? Huh. Things keep coming back. They just keep coming back every year. Out here, somebody threw a, 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 a pumpkin out in the backwoods, and the following year, we had pumpkin vines and pumpkins growing off of it. It was amazing from somebody just throwing it away. So I know that as I deal with things, as I grant forgiveness, and as I deal with pain and issues in my life, just one more layer comes up and it works its way to the surface until I can finally get to the root of that dandelion and get it out of my heart. The way you're going to heal in your life, in your walk with Jesus is to be a forgiver, to practice forgiveness, 
to live forgiveness as Jesus did, forgiving repeatedly, not taking offense to what people do. And that is so difficult because we are such an offensive society. It's all we do is offend people and get offended by everything. But also forgiving yourself and modeling forgiveness to others. If you do wrong, admit it, own it, ask forgiveness. Don't let that be harbored in your heart or in somebody else's. Jesus didn't. Jesus forgave repeatedly. Holding on to pain, anger, embarrassment, hurt, betrayal, or anything else that is negative is detrimental to your spiritual growth and effectiveness. As a church, man, sometimes you're, you're, you're going to be hurt more by people inside the church than outside the church. And as a church, uh, it's just the nature of churches. And I don't understand it, but it's the nature of churches to, to, to battle with each other, to be in competition. And I'll tell you, we are not competing with anybody. We are, we are trying to win people to Christ and, and get them away from Satan. And, and you know what? If another church is doing a good job, my calling from God and my challenge from God is to rejoice in their ministry. And man, that's exactly what I want to do. I'm not competing with anybody. We need to work together for the kingdom of God and not work against it. Ephesians 4 verses 31 and 32, let all bitterness, anger, and wrath Shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Right there, man, he's our example. We're to be forgivers because he forgave us. In Colossians 3, verses 12 through 14, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Put on love. Put on love. Listen, these are not easy things. Following Jesus is a choice. Choosing to live according to the principles of the word is a choice. You can choose to hang on to anger. You can choose to hang on to dysfunction. And just the same way you can choose to hang on to those things, you can choose to let them go. It's all in how you choose to apply and live the principles of the word of God in your life. What did Jesus do? Jesus lived his word and his message every day, every moment of his life. And that's how he left us an example to live as well. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? <clears throat> Father, thank you for this opportunity to be in your house today. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for the example it is to us. Thank you for the life that you lived, Jesus, while you were here on this earth. And the fact that you allowed it to be recorded for us, a, a small part of it to be recorded for us to know how to live. Lord, as we go out, Every day, you know what we face. You know the difficulties and you know the struggles we have. Lord, above all, you know the need of those out there, of your healing spirit. Would you give us the courage to take these principles from your word and apply them to our lives so that we might live in such a way that people see you 
they see a difference. And that we, be, that, that we are changed and live functional, productive lives as Christians because that's, what we have, that's all we have to offer you is our life. And may we be so passionate about it that no matter what the response is, Lord, we want to live a life that honors you so that we can give that sacrifice of praise to you. Would you bless us as we go from this place today? Lord, would you keep us in, in your grace, keep us in your love? And may we uh, shine that grace and love to others and show them who you are through who we are. It's in your precious name we pray and ask all these things. Amen.